price for you and I. Praise God. Let's just worship him again. Father, we love you. We thank you for the presence that we feel in this house today. Lord, you are so wonderful. There is no words that could describe your love adequately enough that we feel right now in this house. For we know that you are love, that you are love, and that greatly have you bestowed your love upon us. And we thank you today, Lord Jesus, for what we are feeling here. That your presence is real. Your power is magnificent. There is no prince of power or any principality that could ever destroy what you do, God. But right now, we just take authority over the devil. And we send him to flight today. And we release the authority and the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit into this place today. To do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think in this house today. Have your way, O God. Have your way, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. And to our worship team, the blended worship team today, how awesome. I love it. These guys uh, worked hard yesterday to work together. And how many know it's not easy to blend families? It's not an easy thing. Uh, there's always these little things that come up. But you know what? God is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the power and the authority. He gives us strength when we need it, right? And he gives us authority to take authority over the enemy when we need it. And so it's a powerful thing today to know that two churches could just come together on a Sunday morning and put aside any differences that there might be. Because how many know, if you've ever been to church, if you've been to church much of your life, you know that church is always different in different places, right? But here's the common denominator. Jesus Christ is in that church down the street. He's in this church today. He's at the Oasis in Saginaw. He is wherever the people gather together and call upon his name. He said, where there's any two or three agree on anything, I'll be in their midst. And so today, he is the power and authority. Praise God. I'm glad to be here today. And I'm glad to meet all of you folks. And I know this is a wonderful church and a body of believers. And I thank God for you. In advance of meeting all of you, I thank God for you because I know that God wants to do something incredible in our lives today. How many know in this church today and believe that God wants his best for you? He wants his best for you. God is, I, mean, I think sometimes we have this opinion that God is up there like a little boy on an anthill with a fire, uh, magnifying glass just waiting to fry us when we do something wrong. But God is not a God of, of destruction. God is a God of love. He's a God of forgiveness. Aren't you glad we're in the age of grace? Because without grace, none of us would be here today. But because of grace, because of Jesus Christ and what he's done, you and I have the possibility to live a life fulfilled in him. And so it's powerful. So I believe today that God has a word for you. Do you believe that? I know that many of you don't know me. You're going to get to know me real quick. I'm a loud preacher. Um, I don't mean to be loud. It's just the excitement that is in me. I like to be animated. I don't like to be dull. I'm not a dull preacher. I'm an excited preacher because I have something to be excited about. Jesus Christ saved me, filled me, and released me to do something incredible in his kingdom, and he's done the same for you. So I know that you don't know me yet, but you're going to get to know me. And then I don't know many of you today, but here's the common denominator. As I said earlier, Jesus Christ knows every one of us in here, and he can call you by name. He knows the number of hairs on on your head. He loves you with an everlasting love. And so um, I want you just to relax today, all right? 
I know it's strange when a new preacher comes in, and y'all have probably been experiencing that a lot lately, and I can only imagine how that is to have a new guy in here every week or at least uh, every other week. And so uh, I'm a new guy today, but I'm an old soul. And I love the power of the Holy Spirit, and I love God. And so I truly believe that if you'll just relax today and allow God to speak to us, then I believe a revelation of His Word is coming to you today. So let's just do this real quick. Would you just stand with me real quick? And I said I'm animated, so I'm going to... I'll try not to move you up and down a lot, but let's just do this. If you'll just repeat this prayer after me today. God, I'm ready to receive what you have for me today. My eyes are open, my ears attentive, my mind expectant, my heart is pliable. Speak to me now, Lord. I am willing to receive your established word through your servant. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You may be seated. Just take a deep breath and exhale, all right? The fastest way to relieve all tension is just a deep breath and exhale. So I want you to look with me at a familiar story in the Word of God today. I'm in the ESV version of the Bible, English Standard Version. Uh, It is the closest to the New King James, or the King James that I could find. And uh, I like the King James, but I also like to explore different versions. I just want to make sure they all say the same thing. Amen? Because we don't want a version that doesn't say the same thing. But really and truly, I tell this to our congregation all the time, even the King James Version is a version of the scroll. So, you know, don't get hung up in versions. But uh, today we're going to talk about 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1. And it says this, if you're ready, say amen. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. As I thought about King Hezekiah's condition here, there was a word that came to mind. How many know that time is a very valuable commodity? Time is one of the things that we cannot control. I don't care what you do. I don't care how you do it and which way you try to do it. Time is a valued commodity, and we cannot control it. And time is something we've all taken for granted. Would you say that's true? We've all taken it for granted. Everyone can be guilty of wasting time. My wife tells me, and that was my beautiful wife that sang How Great Thou Art this morning, and uh, she and I go way back, and I'll just give you a real brief thing. We used to travel and sing Southern gospel music. How many know that, that genre of music? Yeah, it's kind of a lost art today, but we traveled and sang, and if you ever watch the Gaither videos, my wife and I sang with everybody on there. It's just now we're all old. Uh, but we all sang together as a lot of... A lot of different venues. But anyway, my wife always tells me, and it's very true, that I have an issue with time management. Does anybody follow along that line? Issue with time management, right? Um, And my response to her is usually, I have an issue with you telling me that I have an issue with time management. Her response is, that's why you have me, dear. And husbands, I don't know if you can attest to that, but your wife helps keep you on track. If you don't think so, go a day without her saying anything to you, and you'll find out just how much time you waste. It's true. We do it. Um, I'd miss things in my schedule more than I do if my wife wasn't right on top of me helping me. And so we're all guilty of mismanaging our time. Maybe in some areas of your life, it's worse than others. Maybe you're good at all of it. I mean, if you are, I want to shake your hand today because if you manage your time perfectly all the time, I think you're an awesome person. But definitely in some part of our lives, we are lacking in time management. So the old saying is, no time waits for no one. 
right? That's the old saying. So there are uh, some things that time will do for us and will also be against us, right? I mean, how many in here, and I don't want you to raise your hand on this because uh, it's a dangerous subject, but how many feel like time is, is going by faster and faster the older you get, right? I mean, like every year, it's like the year went faster, and I think that's, for those of us over 50, more especially. And for you that are younger, it may seem slow right now, but your time's going to speed up. Just watch. It's going to happen. So I just want you to kind of, I want to do an illustration. Chris, if you'll bring that to me. You'll have to unplug it. I want to kind of illustrate time today because I think we have the wrong conception of time a lot of times. So we're just going to stretch this little timeline out. Now, this is a microphone cable, and I know I've seen this done uh, by other preachers. It's not new. I didn't come up with this. This isn't something prophetic. But it is something very, very valuable if you'll let it. So if we took this rope or this microphone cable... And we stretch it out as far as we can. As a matter of fact, it's wider than this building, right? So if just imagine this is time, okay? This little gray area right here, gray area, is your lifespan on earth. This is eternity. It gives you a perspective, doesn't it? That we get so focused on this right here that we are not laying up treasures in this right here. And we spend so much time worrying about here that we have not made the right decisions for here. And what happens is, is that we get so entangled in life. Thank you, Chris. We can just leave it laying here for those who might want to keep watching that. Because as time goes by, you may find you somewhere on that line there. We're so focused on the tangible that the intangible becomes impossible. And I want you to know today that God doesn't want the Christian walking in so much the tangible as he does the intangible. Those are the things of the Spirit. He wants us to walk, in other words, in the supernatural and not by the flesh, right? To walk by faith, not by sight. We see things and we get upset about them. We see things and we hear things and we form opinions of things in that little gray area right there called life. But there's so much more to come. Imagine spending eternity in heaven having laid up the right treasures. So therefore, time is something we don't have much of. If you look at that compared to eternity, the Bible says life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it fades away. So if you look at that and think about that, time is a very rare commodity. This is one of the most valuable commodities that God has given us is time. And wasted time is wasted time. And once it's gone, it's gone forever. How many know that? There's no wishing it back. There's no crying it back. There's no earning it back. There's no negotiating it back. There's no buying back time. Time comes and goes, and it's what we do with our time that matters. Amen? Time only comes from God. So for the next few minutes, I want to speak to you about time and timing because timing is dependent on the anchor of time. If it's the wrong time, then the timing of things will be off as well. The first thing I want to discuss with you is this, knowing when it's time to go to a different place than where you've been going. I want you to understand something today. It is very easy for us to get caught up in the schedule of time to forget the importance of our time. It's very easy to, to get lost in what we call the daily activities and we go to the same well. You know, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and 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 over again with different results, expecting different results, but the result is the same. 
And that's the definition of insanity. But how many would say, well, don't raise your hand because we don't want to get anybody embarrassed. But how many would say, and I'll just put my hand up, that sometimes we get insane. Life is insane. It gets crazy. It gets, it gets crazy. And so timing is everything. So there's a time when we need to know to go a different place than we've been going. There comes a time in life when we must remove ourselves from everything and sometimes remove ourselves from everyone. How many know that's true? I mean, it's called vacation. I don't know if you've had one. I haven't yet this year. We tried and we had to come back home. But we're going to get a vacation. But we sometimes need to remove ourselves from situations. How many understand that? We need to remove ourselves from that. There are times when situations will require all of our attention, all of our concentration, and all of our mental discipline, and all of our heart focus than we feel sometimes that we can muster, and there's going to come a time when advice from family and friends won't cut it. You know that's to be true. And counseling isn't going to give you a solution. I think sometimes we are a little too quick to look for someone else for help. We real quick to call a counselor or the pastor, or and that's okay to call the pastor, but I'm just saying sometimes we need to think about a different place to go. License or not, we're a little too quick sometimes to share our deepest, darkest secret, secrets and trials with other people. And if we're not careful, it'll become more about a social conversation and gossip with a person about our problems rather than a real solution to them. Let me clarify that I'm not against counselors and I'm not against a counsel from pastors and preachers. I'm not against talking to your friends and family, but rather concerned for our need to have them a little too often. That we absolutely require counseling instead of going to the source, to a different place. I believe that most of the time, just a little true blue 30-minute talk with Jesus will make everything all right. It'll take the place of years of counseling, but we always want to go to the social thing of the day. Let's call a counselor. 1-800-COUNSEL-ME. And we want somebody to tell us it's going to be all right when Jesus is just waiting for you to get on your knees and say, God, I need your help. I need your strength. I need to know what to do in this situation. I'm not saying we always do that, but there's too many times where we're going to a different source. And I'm saying today that it's time to get back to the source who created all of creation, who made life and death, and who is the God of everything. We go back to the source who is our strength, and that is God. And I know that a session with Jesus would resolve a lot of problems in a lot of people's lives today because there's going to come a time when your family won't understand. There's going to come a time when your friends won't care. There's going to come a time when your counselor won't know. And there's going to come a time when your pastor won't be available. But there's a place you can go. And the time and timing will always be right for all of the answers that you seek. And that place, I want to call it today, your Isle of Patmos. Your Isle of Patmos. We may have some biblical scholars in here today and with degrees and blah, blah, blah and all of that, but I'm not just talking about an island that was 13 square miles and had a mountain that reached an altitude of 500 feet. I'm not just talking about the place where John was exiled. I'm referring to the island where John received a revelation from God. How many understand today that you may think your condition has brought you into one place and that you can't get out of that place and that it's, you're exiled into death, so to speak, and people are speaking death and negativity in your life? I want you to know right now that it's okay to tell them if you're going to only speak negativity to me, then stop talking to me because I don't need to receive negativity. I want to 
receive the positive word of God. And even in a situation where you feel like all of hell has broke out against you and you have been exiled, there's still a revelation word from God for you in that place. Come on, somebody. See, church, too many times we're looking at the condition rather than the conclusion. If John would have looked at his condition only exiled to an island to die, then he probably wouldn't have ever received the revelation. You're talking about the book of Revelation. John received that on the Isle of Patmos. But hear me today. Your Isle of Patmos is a necessary place of quiet in the midst of a condition. To hear a revelation from God in your life. That's what I noticed here in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1 about Hezekiah's condition. I want you to look again with me. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. I don't know about you, but if a prophet of God came to me and said, Get your house in order because you're going to die, you're not going to live. Number one, I'd want to check out his prophet status. Has things he's prophesied before come true? And if they have, then yes, certainly, that would be a devastating word to me because let's be real about this. Don't we all want to live? I mean, God created the body. He created the human element for us to live. Do you know that unless it's an instantaneous death, people on their deathbed generally fight to the end? I mean, they fight all the way. I've, I've had people say, man, they just won't die. And it's because God gave us an inherent ability to survive. We are survivalists. And so I don't care what condition you've been in today, where you've been this last week, what the devil's been throwing at you. God made you to survive. He made you to live. He made you to thrive. He made you to be who you are supposed to be. And all we have to do is believe that God did that and receive it. Get your house in order. You're going to die and not recover. The first thing I do is check him out. The second thing I would do is find out how long I got to live. How many would do that? Let's keep this thing real. Who in here wants that kind of prophecy over you? We all want to live. We all want to enjoy life. We all want to enjoy family and friends. We all want to enjoy our church family. We all want to have the things we do in our lives. How many just sit around in your house all day long and do nothing all week long? You still want to live? And how many of us are really busy all week long and we want to live? We want to live. We want to live a full life. We want to be empowered to do great things. All of us have ambition, right? We're the ones who kill the body. The prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, went to King Hezekiah and told him, set your house in order for you're going to die and not live. And Hezekiah was devastated by the news. Why? Because he wanted to live too. He was no different than us, just like the rest of us. I don't know about you, but I want to live as long as I can. I want to live to see my grandkids, and I've already seen two of my grandkids be born. I want to live to see some more grandkids from my other family who just got married. But when y'all are ready, but, you know, sooner the better because I'm not always going to live. <laughs> Praise God. We all want to see Jesus. Listen to me now. But we really don't live thinking about truly meeting him today, do we? Because if we were really truly living like we wanted to see Jesus right now, wouldn't our lives take on a little bit different look than they have? But Hezekiah knew he had to go somewhere different. Maybe God used the prophet Isaiah to shake things up with the king. Maybe some of us need shaking up. Maybe you need a condition.
Maybe you're in a condition. Maybe you need a condition to get out of the rut. An old preacher friend of mine once said, a rut is just a grave that's been kicked out at both ends. A rut is not a place that you want to stay long. We may have to go through a rut. We may have to go through a condition. We may have to go through a problem. But God is not there to leave us there. He's there to teach us while we're in the rut. He's there to teach us while we're going through something, a condition. If Christians never get a condition, will we really ever excel to a new level in God? A condition should make you run into your Isle of Patmos, to your quiet place in God, into your prayer closet. Hezekiah needed to go into his Isle of Patmos right then. As a matter of fact, the Bible indicates that Isaiah left the room right after his announcement. Isn't that crazy? How would that be for you if I walked into your hospital room or walked into your bedroom and there you are lying sick unto death and I look at you and say, well, get your house in order, so-and-so, because you're going to die and you will not recover. And then I turn around and walked out of the room. I mean, I'd be mad. I'd be upset. I'd be frustrated. I'd be, have questions. Wouldn't you have questions? And I'm sure Hezekiah had questions, but I want us to learn something from Hezekiah today. Some of you have been asking me to leave, you know, if I came and gave you that kind of prophecy. But obviously Hezekiah knew the man of God and knew that he was telling him the truth. So he needed to go into his Isle of Patmos right then. So Hezekiah did what I've been speaking about. He didn't go to his family because they wouldn't understand. He didn't go to his friends because they wouldn't care. And he didn't seek a counselor because he knew that they wouldn't know how to counsel for something like this. And he didn't go to his pastor because I believe his pastor just left the room. What did Hezekiah do? He went to his Isle of Patmos. He faced the wall and went into fervent prayer. And I'm here to tell you today that that is the reaction that we should all have when we find ourselves in a condition or in a rut or in a problem or in something that we can't surmount or overcome. It's not to get agitated. It's not to get angry. It's not to get mad. It's not to get sad. It's not to get depressed. It's not to become oppressed. It's not to say, oh me, oh my, why me, why this, why that, why is it happening? It's to simply go to your Isle of Patmos, get alone with God, and begin to ask Him, God, I need a revelation from you. I I need it now because I need an on-time word from you right now. We must all go to our Isle of Patmos from time to time because sometimes our wives, men, are acting crazy. Sometimes wives, our husbands, are acting crazy. Sometimes our friends and relatives are acting crazy. Sometimes our children are acting crazy. I have two beautiful grandchildren. I love them with all my heart. They are my... They are the apple of my eye, but they are the most wild children. They, they, <laughs> hallelujah. Grandparenting is different because I can't spank them. And I mean, I do. I mean, if they need it. I mean, I know that spanking is a thing we don't say anymore in the, you know, in the church. Let's don't spank our children. Let's, let's put them in a corner and tell them how good that is for them. Spare the rod, spoil the child kind of thing. But. Sometimes our grandkids and our kids are acting crazy. Sometimes our health begins to fail. Anybody been through that? You know, the older I get, the worse my body reacts to the circumstances around me. Our men's group at Saginaw had a bowling night Friday night, and I went and bowled thinking I was, you know, 20. And uh, now my arm barely moves today. And we only played four games. <laughs> Can't imagine a whole night of that, but sometimes our jobs are crazy. I don't know if you've experienced that. Sometimes church is crazy. I mean, I don't know if, if y'all are with me on this, and please don't take offense to this, but church folk can be crazy. 
I mean, they can. Uh, Brother Rick today in his Sunday school class, I was so moved by everything you had to say. It was a very powerful lesson, and I really appreciate the lesson because I think sometimes we get so crazy because we want to call something ours. Okay? And we want to pretend like this building belongs to we the people when it belongs to God. This isn't our building, this isn't our pews, this isn't our stage, this isn't our instruments, this isn't our vocal cords or our ability to play. It is because of God's great mercy with which he loved us that he gave us all of these things. And it's because he gave them to us, we have a responsibility to take care of those things. We have a responsibility to nourish those things. But don't call them yours because they're not yours. They belong to God. And if we get out of the mindset in church, and it's something I've brought our church through, a lot of teaching and a lot of training, on the fact that nothing here belongs to you. I remember when we were pastoring in East Texas years ago, and we were going to build a new building. And at first, because our youth group in that, in that building in East Texas was running like 150 youth. I mean, there was, they had to have cops out on the freeway to direct traffic so that we could get everybody in. It was a really powerful, beautiful thing, all these youth coming to youth. And so we needed to build a building, so we built this building. But we said in our staff meetings, this building someday might become our sanctuary. If needed, it'll become our sanctuary, but we'll still share it because we designed a building that could be used by the youth, and then just with some lighting changes, it became a sanctuary. It was a really cool building. It's still there, great building. My youth pastor at the time decided when we said, hey, we're, we're now running because the youth, when you build a youth group and a children's group in your church, you will build adults in your church. It's powerful. You, you should take care of the youth and the children first, and everything else follows in because they are the generation who's going to take your seat. And if they aren't prepared to take your seat, church dies. So anyway, in staff meeting, we said, hey, look, if we have to take our, well, we, our church grew because our youth group grew. Our church grew. Now we're running from, from 30 people when we started to not, like nearly 300. And so we, we, we're in the midst of building this building. We built it. Our youth pastor got mad and said, hey, this was my building. This was my building. You can't have my building. I said, well, number one, you work for me. Number two, this is not your building. And it's not my building, this is God's building. And when we get out of the mindset of this is mine, don't touch mine, and get into the mindset this is God's and whatever God wants, I won't. Because if God wants it and I get along with God, then the church is going to grow and do what it's supposed to do. That's the mindset we got to have, church. I don't know why I got off on that, but I think because I said church sometimes is crazy. But that kind of stuff is when we need to go to our Isle of Patmos, get alone with God, and let a little 30-minute council session with Jesus straighten out the crazies in our lives. Some of you need to go to that place today when it's just you and God, a place that has the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. This must be a place and a time of separation. This is a place where the TV is turned off. Let me say that again. This is a place where the TV is turned off. This is a place where the iPad, the iPhone, the notebook, the Galaxy, whatever the latest is, Facebook, Flickr, Pinterest, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and every other kind of device is turned off, and you are alone with God. No destructions, no distractions, nothing but you and God getting to the point of the matter. 
Getting rid of the devices. Can I just tell you that the world is consumed by devices today? I'm not one of those preachers that, like in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 60s when I grew up, where the, you know, the TV was the one-eyed monster, but I sometimes think maybe those preachers knew what they were talking about because it's become a monster. Let me just tell you what I tell my congregation. You have a remote control. You have control over your TV. You have an off button. You have control over your phone. Can I just ease your mind? You can always call people back. Sometimes my phone's ringing. My wife says, honey, aren't you going to get that? So I'll call them back. They don't need to talk to me this second. Sometimes they do. I always answer. You generally always answer. But there's times when I can't. But I don't freak out because I can't get to them right then. And we've become a society that we don't even like to talk on the phone anymore. We just text. We just like to text people. If I, we're so unsocial. It's not even funny. But it's the way we've become. So we need to get in that place where all of those things, all those distractions are off. And we are alone with God in our Isle of Patmos. Did you know that there are 210 social media sites in the world today? The oldest one. How many know what the oldest social media site is? Anybody? Classmates.com. Launched in 1995. That wasn't that long ago. Of the 210 social media communities, more than 190 of them were launched in the last 15 years. Technology has grown. Amen? It has. Technology has grown. The church ought to stay up with technology because it'll lead you to a good place if you use it right. The most popular. How many? Who would know the most popular social media community there is out there? Facebook, with 2.2 billion subscribers or members. Google is second with 1.6 million users. Church, what I'm saying today is, is that your Isle of Patmos should be vacant of all those things. Your prayer closet is what I'm talking about. Your place to get alone with God. Going to your Isle of Patmos isn't always going to be a fun place to go. How many know that? Sometimes tears are going to be shed. You might go through some pain and suffering. There may be a time of fasting. It may be a time of humbleness. It may be a time of recognition. It should always be a place of repentance. And so while Hezekiah was praying on his Isle of Patmos, too sick to get out of bed, the Bible says in verse 2 that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed, and I saw two things in his prayer. I saw, number one, I saw hope. Number two, I saw faith. Because how many know that when you're in a condition, faith prevails if you'll just pray? The reason I see hope and faith is because Hezekiah could have been like some of us and just given up. Just quit praying. Just quit going to the house of God. Just let everything bad enter our minds. Worry, fear, stress, anger, discontentedness. Instead of realizing that your condition is not your conclusion. Hope and faith are real. Hezekiah held on to hope and to his faith. And his prayer was not a selfish prayer. Hezekiah didn't pray, God save me or God why me. But in verse 3, verse three we read where Hezekiah's prayer was this. Now, O Lord, please remember how I walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Hezekiah didn't freak out. Why did he not freak out? Because Hezekiah went to someplace different. Because he knew something. 
And it was something that you and I must get in our spirits today. Your condition is not your conclusion. Some of you in here right now, you may have been told that your condition is final. You may have been told that a health thing is final. Somebody may have have, have prophesied over you a finality in your life. Somebody may have said that the church at Rome is in its final days. Somebody might have said and given false accusations against the church and said, hey, this is never going to survive. It doesn't have what it needs. But I know this today. Your condition personally and your condition as the church at Rome is not your conclusion. God is going to step in and do something with or without the oasis, with or without an immediate pastor. God is going to move in you to do something different because your condition is not your conclusion. God has given you power to overcome the enemy. To overcome the enemy. I've got a word for the church at Rome today. Straight from God's word. And I want to read it to you. It's found in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 through 9. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of God's, are you listening, and not of us. It is God, it is not us. Our condition brought before God brings a conclusion that's different than what you think it's going to be. We are hard-pressed on every side. That could be your condition. But here's your conclusion, not yet crushed. We are perplexed. That could be your your condition. But not in despair would be your conclusion. Persecuted could be your condition. But not forsaken could be your conclusion. Struck down could be your condition. But not destroyed can be your conclusion today. That is my word from God. That He put so deep in my spirit is that no matter what the world is saying, no matter what your friends are saying, no matter what people are saying inside the church, your condition is not your conclusion. God is here. Has the church at Rome been through some hard times? What church hasn't? Man, I want you to know something today. So-called healthy churches all still have problems. I love the element that you brought because we're all human. We're people. You put a bunch of people together, I don't care if they're family or their associated family, there's going to be different opinions, different ideas, different thoughts, different mode of operation, different ways to do things. But here's where it it changes from what a family or friendship relationship would be. Jesus, if he's at the center of all of our differences, he will bring unity out of chaos. He will bring peace where there is no peace. He will bring hope where there is no hope. My word for you today is keep going to the different place. Keep going to your Isle of Patmos. Keep going to the prayer closet. Keep seeking God for His resolution and His power for what is best for the church at Rome and you individually. Here's my word for you. After the initial shock of Hezekiah's condition, after he prayed a selfless prayer, I want you to listen to his conclusion because I believe you're going to draw similarities for yourself today. 2 Kings 24 through 5. And before, this is after Hezekiah had prayed, he wept bitterly. He was sad, but he had hope and he had faith. And it says, before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, turn back. Turn back. 
And say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. Church at Rome, pastors are not your healer. Oasis is not your healer. But it is the almighty, divine power of God that is your healer. It makes your condition, not your conclusion. But he's going to do something different in you. Hallelujah. Musicians, you can come. God is your healer. And he has sent me today to tell you that your condition is not your conclusion. And God told me to read in closing today this scripture to you. I know he's given you a lot of scripture today, but hold on to this one. Because this scripture has been my lifeblood as a pastor of a church for more than 17 years. God has given me as my hope this scripture. And God asked me specifically in my prayer time to read Psalms 91, 1 through 16. In the New King James Version, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the error that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I shall answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I want you to know something today, church. With every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. The power of who God is. The power of his direction. The power of his resolve. The power of who he is gives us hope and builds our faith and allows us to know the mighty workings of God to understand that his favor is never lax his hand is never too short his words are never too dim his eye is always looking and I feel like somebody needs to know today that God has saw your tears he has heard your prayer and he has come today to change your situation to put a new conclusion on your condition. If you're here today, and I know that we're in close quarters and maybe you might feel a little bit embarrassed, but I want you to know something, that no one in this church building has a right to judge anyone. 
We are all sinners saved by grace. We are all striving to live the life that God has called us to live. He wants His best. I started out with that today because you need to know that God wants His best for you. There may have been a lot of negatives over the last few months or weeks. There may have been a lot of things to think about. There may have been a lot of things to discuss. In times you want to throw your hands up and say, what's the use? But I want you to know today that God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He said, I will go all the way with you even unto the end of the earth. And all we have to do is have hope and have faith. And faith builds hope. And hope produces a seed of a harvest. And I believe that the church in Rome has a harvest waiting on you. It doesn't matter what man has said. It doesn't matter what situations have said. God is the final authority of your life if you'll let Him be. And He's the final authority of this church. And all He's asking you today is to trust Him. Just trust Him. Lean on Him. He'll guide and direct you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, my favorite scripture in the entire Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. If you're here today and you've been struggling, maybe just people speaking negativity over you or maybe just being around negative situations or maybe your family's fighting or maybe your church family's at odds with each other on this or that or, or maybe it's just something you're dealing with personally and nobody needs to know what it is. But you would like for someone to pray with you today. I would love to stand down here and pray with you today. If you're struggling in some area, if you're sick in body today and you need healing, I would love to pray the prayer of healing over you. If you need to just talk to somebody, I would just talk to you. If you need to have prayer over any situation going on in your life, then you come right now. I just want you to step out by faith and hope that God has given you a different conclusion than you thought it would be. And today He's made you aware that there could be a different conclusion waiting on you than what your condition is dictating. Maybe you've been sick for a while and you need healing. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Savior. If you don't know Him today, He's not your personal Savior. You have not asked Him to be the Lord of your life. Then today is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time doesn't matter what your need is today. If you want prayer, I stand ready. I've got some team here that stand ready to pray with you. If you need prayer today while he sings, I want you to come to the altar.